joining us online or you're in the building, will you stand and worship with us this morning? Let's put our hands together. You brought me to the water. Of my enemies, I'll 
we're supposed to give God praise. And I know there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and maybe a lot going on. But even in the middle, we're supposed to give him praise. So I want to encourage you to join in with us. If you feel led to raise your hands, let's give him all the praise in this place that we can give him. Come on, we sing it out. I'll raise a
you just close your eyes in this moment? I just want you to think of your life. And I know sometimes it's hard to offer this. But I want you to sing it with us. All I need is you. this place, would you just close your eyes, forget about who's next to you. If you're comfortable, lift your hands. There's such a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit in this place, and I don't want to move past the moment just because it's what the agenda says to do. Just bask in His presence for a moment right there. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. We worship you, God. We worship you. Bask in your presence. Better's one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Has anybody else tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that he is faithful, that he is our refuge, that he is our provider, he is our ever-present help in time of need? And as we're worshiping here, I just can't help but to think 
I was overwhelmed with this thought at the end of, of youth on Wednesday. If not for Jesus, where would I be? As Jeff just a moment ago said, just reflect on your life. If not for Jesus, where would we be? Now, what a good Savior he is. He is our protector. He is our provider. And like the psalm says, he is our refuge. So even in the middle of the storms, even in the middle of the trial, even in the middle of everything going on, we can turn to him and find our refuge in him. And this is why the Bible says that then we can have peace that doesn't even make sense, that surpasses all understanding, because our refuge isn't found in our finances, it isn't found in our friends, it, even, it isn't even found in our family. Our refuge is found in the Lord. I look to the hills where our help comes from, which is Jesus. Come on, somebody in this place. Does anybody else find their refuge in him? There really is such a a sweet spirit in this place today, such a a tangible presence of God's Holy Spirit. And so I pray that today as as we're worshiping, I pray it would be a reminder that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. As we worship God, it puts God right back in his rightful place in our life, on the throne of our life. And I do believe also when we come, we worship together, it enthrones God on our lives. But then when we just sit under his word, it, re-give, it just gives us focus all over again. So I pray this morning that God would be enthroned on your life. And as, as we hear God's word, that it would just give us focus. One more time, would you just lift your hands? Let's pray together. God. You are our refuge. You are our salvation. Nothing else will do. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And some of us, we've tasted what the world has to offer. Oh, it doesn't even compare. It doesn't come close. So this morning, we turn our eyes to you. We lean on you. We look to you. God, this isn't just another Sunday morning where we show up out of religion or ritual. God, we want to hear from you. Some of us want a word. Some of us, we need a word. So God, I pray this morning that you would speak. Do what only you can do in this place. God, I pray hearts would be encouraged, that we would be motivated, that we would be compelled by your word, God, that your very presence in this place would bring us peace and comfort. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, everybody said, let's give God praise one more time. Amen, amen, amen. Well, you all look good this morning. Thank you so much for joining us for our 930. Those in the building, those in the family room, those online. We are so excited that you chose to spend your Sunday morning with us. Hey, in the chat, say what's up to somebody. Say good morning online. Those of you in the room, uh, look at someone all the way across the room. Wave, say hi, say good morning as you find your seat. church with you today. The fall season is upon us and new things are happening over the next few weeks here at the bridge. We want to keep you up to date on everything that's coming up. So let's check out church news and see what's going on. What's up, Bridge Church family? Hey, next week, next Sunday is the motorcycle ride. Hey, come out to second service, sit in service, park your bike under the portico of designated motorcycle parking. Right after second service, we're gonna ride up to Idlewild, grab lunch, do the loop right back around, 
to Temecula. Hey, there's no need to sign up. Just cruise out next Sunday. Join us. Tell all your friends who have bikes, all kinds of bikes. Everybody is welcome. We'll see you there. Our fall term of Connect Groups launched this past week. If you are interested in building new friendships and growing in your walk with God, we invite you to join a Connect Group here at the Bridge. There's never been a more important time than now to connect with other believers and strengthen your faith. So take advantage of this opportunity. To see a full list of our groups, just go to our website and click on the Connect tab. You can also see them on the Bridge app. We hope you'll join a Connect group this fall here at the Bridge. We're so excited about a new season of Bridge Women and our new series, Authentic Prayer. We believe that God is going to do some new things in all of our lives, and we're going to see miraculous answers to our prayers. It's all happening through our Bridge Women Connect groups, which start this week. We have groups happening Monday through Friday at all different times of day with all different formats. So be sure to get on the Bridge Women page today at thebridgechurch.tv to find a group that best fits your schedule. We can't wait to grow through this new series with you. We are very excited to announce that we are moving towards the reopening of Bridge Kids on Sunday morning. We believe the time has come for our kids to get back to a place where they are loved, valued, and believed in. To a place they can connect with God and with each other. With many kids unable to receive the emotional interaction that they need with other kids, we feel like the time is now for us to seize this opportunity to connect them and help them to connect with God. However, none of this is possible without the love and support of Bridge Kids volunteers. If you have a heart for kids and are willing to serve right now on Sunday morning, please come and see me today after the service at the kids' check-in area. However, if you're watching online, you can also email me at jsharp at thebridgechurch.tv. Through your gifts, talents, and abilities, our kids can grow together and look to the future with hope and expectation for the awesome things God will do in their lives. If you're new to the church, we want to help you find your place in this family. We invite you to go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. If you don't yet have the Bridge app, just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. This is the best way to stay updated with everything happening in church life. Thanks again for being in church today. We love spending Sundays with you. Good morning. How's everybody today? Hey, it's good to see you down front, in the middle, way up in the cheap seats. Glad you're here today. Hey, God bless you. Uh, I know Corey kind of had us do this earlier, you know, kind of wave at somebody, but everybody just wave at me and give me a smile this morning. Aren't you glad to be out of the house? Isn't it great? I know the kids are glad. Uh, Pastor Jeremy, thank you so much for the video announcement that he shared. And, you know, he really covered everything pretty well. But, but I just want to say it's time for us to figure out how to open up Bridge Kids 
Uh, kids have been locked up at home, not being in school, not being around friends. It's not healthy for a long period of time. It's not healthy for mom or dad sitting at home with those kids trying to teach them online. Amen. amen. I knew I'd get a couple of amens there. So we're going to figure out how to open up Bridge Kids. If you have a heart for kids, this is a different season. Not everybody's comfortable being here. That's fine. I respect that. But if you're interested in being involved, stop by in the area out to the right in the lobby. Pastor Jeremy will be there after service. Get you lined up to help us open up Bridge Kids. Let's, let's pray this morning, okay? Father, we honor you today. We, we've taken time to worship you with song and music, and we've wrapped our hearts around that. But now we just want to sit at your feet and hear you speak to us. And Father... I recognize the responsibility you put upon me today to share your word. And I ask you to speak through me today. Let the Holy Spirit ordain the very words that I speak. And then let us with godly hearts hear what you're saying to us as followers of Christ. We'll thank you for what you do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I want to encourage you to look at two or three verses real quickly with me. Deuteronomy 30 is where I'll begin in a few minutes. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Some of you are wondering, well, what's all that stuff you have today? Just my sermon notes. So we, we're not going to be here long. Only got about 160 pages of notes to go through. So it's going to be easy. Um, today I want to do a little different kind of message. To those of you at home, to those of you here in the building, I want to appeal to the decency, to the morality, and to the common sense of godly people. We're living in a crazy world today. We're living in a crazy world, and I'll talk a little bit more about it in a few minutes. But before we look at Deuteronomy 30, let me set this message up for you today. There's a story in the Old Testament that I love that I've preached on many different times. And it's found, the culmination is found in 1 Kings 18. We're not going to turn there, but you can go home and read it. It's a story of the prophet Elijah and the verbal confrontation that he has with an evil king whose name is Ahab. It's an interesting story. We, we, a lot of us know the story, so I don't want to talk through all of it. But let me kind of set up for you. This prophet Elijah shows up on the scene and he walks up to the king and he says, you're an ungodly man and it's not going to rain anymore till I say so. And he walks away. I mean, there's no record in scripture of this guy until he does this. And he speaks the word of the Lord and the rain stops for a day, a week, a month, a year, two years, three, three and a half years, there's no rain. And so Ahab, the king, is furious. The nation's in famine. Needless to say, the economy's falling apart. Things are difficult. So he's looking for not just Elijah, but Ahab, this wicked king, and his wife Jezebel, who's even more wicked. They're looking for every prophet of God, and they're killing all the prophets who stand with Elijah. But God hides Elijah for three and a half years, and I don't want to have time to go through the whole story. But finally, after three and a half years, Elijah comes back to appear to Ahab. And he walks up to Ahab, who hasn't been able to find him for three and a half years. And he says, Ahab. And Ahab looks at him and says, you have brought so much trouble on Israel. Elijah, the prophet of God, does two things. Number one, he looks at the king and he says, no, 
I'm not the one who's troubling Israel. Your sin, your ungodliness, your leadership is what's troubling this nation. And then the second thing he does is he has Ahab bring all the people of Israel together because Ahab and Jezebel have brought other gods and idols into Israel. They brought ungodliness, immorality, all kinds of nasty stuff. They brought it into the land. And, and Elijah says, we're going to have a contest to see who the real God is. And the second thing he does is before this contest, they pull all the people of Israel together. And here's what Elijah says. Elijah asks the people, how long are you going to compromise and try to ride the fence between right and wrong? You can't stay on the fence forever. You need to make up your minds. If God is God, serve him. If he's not, then serve idols. But make up your mind. Stop the compromise. Now, I tell this story this morning. I am not a prophet. Okay, I realize that. As one minister said, I run a nonprofit organization. Uh, <laughs> play on words. Uh, I'm not a prophet, I'm a pastor. Uh, I don't have the ear of our king or our president or our governor or our senators. I can't even get the county supervisor to respond to my emails. So I don't have anybody's ear, okay? That's true by the way. But, but having said that, having said that, let me set this up for you today. Our nation needs godly voices who will speak righteousness and tell the truth, not to, just to church congregations, but to the leaders of our land. Our land needs godly, righteous voices today. We need that. We need that. Now, here, here's something I've learned through the years. God asks us to judge ourselves and judge our society by looking through his word and measuring things based on what God says, not the other way around. See, what a lot of us have done today is we look at society and we make up our mind about all these issues and then we look at scripture and we try to interpret scripture to fit what society's doing. And that's backwards. And that's part of what's got us where we are as a nation today. Now, I'm going to share a couple scriptural principles, and I'm going to share some thoughts with you today. I want you to follow along with me. First of all, that, that was just the introduction. I haven't even got to these notes yet, okay? So we got a few minutes. One of the greatest gifts God has given to mankind is the ability and the authority to make decisions. God created man with the ability to choose right from wrong and what you want from dinner as opposed to what you can find for dinner, da-da-da-da-da, all down the line. What you're going to wear to work today, everything you decide in life, you have the ability to make decisions and choose because God has given mankind the authority to make those choices in our lives. And I'm, I'm glad for that. How many are glad you got to choose your spouse? Okay. Now, I know some of you say, well, I had an arranged wedding. We're praying for you, okay? But for the most part, we, we get to choose what we want in life to the greatest extent. God's given us that right and that ability. He's given us the authority to do that. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, look throughout God's Word, you'll see it. And we'll look at it here in just a moment. But with that authority to make decisions, 
comes the responsibility for the consequences that those decisions produce. We have the freedom to make decisions, but then we also have to bear the responsibility of the decisions that we've made. We're, we're trying to do away with a lot of that in our land today, but it's a reality from scripture. Now, let me, let me walk you through this real quick, okay? There, there are consequences to our choices. When God made Adam and Eve back in the garden, you go back to Genesis 1, the last part of the chapter, it talks about this. God created Adam and Eve, mankind, made them male and female. And then when God finished his work, he blessed them and he said, let's give them dominion. Let's give them authority to subdue the earth and be in authority over the land. He gave that authority to Adam and Eve. Now we know that God said, okay, the whole garden is yours. You eat anything you want except that one tree, leave it alone. They chose to go that direction because they wanted to be God themselves. And then they found themselves living in a world where they were in control. Their decisions had spiraled the wrong direction and God no longer had authority to control all that was going on in their lives. Now there's more to it. I don't have time to go through all the details, but let's walk a little further. I mentioned Deuteronomy 30. Look at Deuteronomy 30. Verse 19, this is God years later talking to the nation of Israel who he called out to be his own people. Deuteronomy 30, 19, notice the verbiage. I call heaven, this is the Lord speaking. I call heaven, heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you, now look at this. I've set before you what? Life and death. Blessing and cursing. And God says, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, this is really simple. But you got to see the power, the power of the authority God gave to mankind. He said, I said it in front of you. Over here, there's sickness, pain, there's death. You can choose that. Over here, there's life and there's blessing. There's two sides to this thing. You have to choose for yourself what you want. But I encourage you to choose life. But he also said there, heaven and earth will both witness your decisions and they'll respond to the decisions that you make. Now let's take it to New Testament, okay? Matthew 16, 19. Uh, Ann and I were talking about this verse the other day. Remember when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus commended him and said, it's the spirit of God that's revealed that to you. But the next verse, what Jesus says is, I give to you the keys. Look at it, Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Everybody hold your hand out like this. Okay, if you want to open it for a minute then maybe you close it, okay? He's given us a key ring with the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He says, I'm giving you authority to make decisions. And here's what he goes on to say. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, think about it, whatever you... Whatever you reject on earth is rejected in heaven. Whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. You see, a lot of times you say, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. And God says, I gave you the keys. It's all dependent on what you do with it. 
So we live in a world today where we don't want to talk about personal responsibility. We want to blame political parties. We want to blame government. We want to blame families and friends. As the Eagles said in a song back in the 1990s called Get Over It, your, your, your daddy's too fat and your mama's too thin. Everybody's got something to be unhappy about, to blame for something. And we live in this world where we say, well, I don't want to take personal responsibility. But yet every day we make decisions that bear consequences in our lives. Jesus said, you can call heaven to earth. Uh-oh. Well, I don't believe that. Well, Jesus told us to pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We can pray that way. We can believe that way. But we must live in a way that we call heaven to come to earth. Because our decisions bring blessing or they bring cursing. Sure, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. <laughs> now, let, let me I'd be on just for a minute. You may not realize it, but we are blessed. We are blessed to live in a land where we choose. We have the right to choose as citizens. We have the right to loose and to bind. That's a blessing. I was thinking about it yesterday. I haven't traveled the whole world, but I've been on several continents. I've been in close to 20 nations. I'm going to tell you something. We're blessed to live where we live. Some of us don't realize that. You need to travel the world and see it for yourself. We are blessed in this nation because what God gave us, the ability to choose, we have the right to choose what we want for a future of our nation. So today... And I'm still in my introduction, by the way. Haven't got to my notes. So today, so today, this is the Sunday when in one day, one message, I become the most loved and the most ridiculed pastor in the Temecula Valley. It all happens in one day, and it happens every four years. Because I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the election coming up. And I felt it in the room. Most people are already upset. <laughs> because that's where our nation is today. And some of you, ushers, lock the back doors. <laughs> Don't you dare turn that off at home. God's about to speak to you. Matthew 12, 25. Put the verse on the screen. We get into the verse, Jesus has been dealing with the Pharisees, but he says something in this verse. Go down, Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Now Jesus is talking about earthly kingdoms, he's talking about heavenly kingdoms. This is what he said. When a home is divided, it's going to fall apart. When husbands and wives are, divi are divided, marriage is going to fall apart. If a business is divided, the business is going to fall apart. If a nation is divided, the nation eventually is going to fall apart and crumble. That's what Jesus said. Well, why would I bring this up today? Because our nation has become a hatefully 
divided nation. Hatefully. And I, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not looking for applause today, but it's the truth. I mean, if nobody claps their hands, nobody says amen, it's okay because I know the truth about this. I listen to people. I deal with a lot of people. We are a hatefully divided nation. And for the most part, probably 45% of our nation blames on the Republicans. And 45% of our nation blames it on the Democrats. And the other 10% blames everybody else. Okay? We're a divided nation. And Jesus said this. I just want to read these verses to you out of Matthew 10. Jesus said, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Some of you didn't know that was in the Bible. Jesus said that. Jesus said, I've come to set a mother, or, or a, yes, to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Did you know that's happening today in our world because of politics? Homes and families are being divided. But Jesus said the truth. The truth. John 17, Jesus said God's word is truth. Jesus said the same truth that sets us free also is a sword that divides people and sets people against each other. I've been in nations, Ann and I have both ministered in countries where if people convert and give their heart to Jesus Christ, follow Jesus, become a Christian, their families reject them and never want to see them again. Some cultures, they'll kill their children if they become Christians. We've always sat back and point our finger and say, well, those people are crazy. Look what's going on in America today. We're beginning to do the same thing because of political issues. It's happening. It seems every problem in America today now becomes a political issue. Income. It's now a political issue. Wealth. It's a political issue. Poverty. It's a political issue. Social security. It's a political issue. It's not supposed to be, but it is. Borders. It's a political issue. Can I, can I just pause for a minute here? To all those, how many of you in the house are younger than me? Hold your hands up real high. You say, how old are you? Uh, midlife. <laughs> all right. If you're younger than me, let me tell you, let me give you a word of, a word of encouragement. My whole adult life, Congress has been arguing about Social Security and borders and done nothing about any of it. So that's your hope for the future, the way things are going right now, okay? But we'll use it as political issues. How about this? Police, it's now a political issue. Healthcare, it's a political issue. COVID, it's a political issue. Can I illustrate this real quickly? Some of you are staying home because the governor told you to stay home. Some of you are here because the governor told you to stay home. Okay? I just, I just, I didn't say, I didn't say anything negative about anybody. I'm just sad. That's how divided our nation is today. Everything's political. How about this? Sexuality, something very personal, is now a political issue. Marriage and family. It's a political issue. 
unborn babies. Precious babies have been reduced to a political argument. One last thing, and this really breaks my heart, sports has been reduced to a political issue. <laughs> I'm protesting. I haven't watched one playoff game, NBA, Major League Baseball. I'm, I'm protesting. If things don't change, I won't watch the Super Bowl this year. I mean, come on, Chargers left San Diego, you hate them anyway. <laughs> the Rams aren't going to the Super Bowl, so, you know. Uh, some people, well, the Raiders are. Yeah, yeah, we hear that every year. We know better than that, okay? <laughs> so let's just move on. <laughs> Our national division has even created bitterness in people within the church on all sides of the issue or issues. I know that because I, I hear from you. Uh, the past few months, I've heard so many opinions from people. Okay, now I, I'm, I'm talking as your pastor, so I, I just want you to hear me this morning. Some of our church members have had conversations with me. They've emailed me, phone calls, texts, I've had people in our church who've told me this is what you need to do with the church about COVID and about the government and the governor. I have heard everybody's opinion about all of this. And I'm praying, saying, God, what do I say and what do I do? Can I, can I, can I lovingly tell you today, to the best of my ability, I'm going to try and listen to God do what God wants to do, okay? <laughs> you land where you want to land. I'm trying to listen to God. We've had violence in our land, riots in major cities. They're still going on. And I've had people email me and tell me, well, this is what you need to say from the pulpit about all this stuff. I've had people email me and say, well, well we need to get out there and start marching. And I, I've tried to tell people, I've only got one drum beat to march to, and it's not that one. It's a different one. It's the gospel of Jesus. That's where I'm going to stay. I've had people call me up and tell me, you need to make some statements from the pulpit. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to make one statement from the pulpit, and it's what this word says. That's it. I'm not going into that. This, today what I'm doing is as close as I will get there. Had one person even email me and told me, oh, I heard your decision to have church this week. Oh, my God. You have gone to the dark side, and thousands of people are going to die. Hasn't happened yet, but anyway, thank God for that. I've had people that I love, the people I love, send me emails and letters and texts saying, you need to get in the pulpit and you need to tell the people they need to vote for this person and for this party. Can I tell you something today? I believe you're smarter than that. I believe you're smart enough that you don't need me to tell you how to vote. That's why I'm doing it this way today but the truth is for some of us the name of our political party is more important than the name of Christ some of us our political party and what they're doing is more important than what God says he wants in a godly nation for some of us our political affiliation comes before our church affiliation to make matters worse Truth is no longer valued in our society. Most media sources 
likely including the one you listen to, most of them have an agenda to indoctrinate people with their propaganda. That's American media today as a whole. Well, not mine. Oh, I know yours is right and everybody else is wrong. I know that. But here's my question today. How many are glad I finally got through the introduction? We'll get to these notes here in just a minute. My question is, here's my question to you today. What is your prayer for the future of America? What is your prayer for the future of America? If you were to write your prayer on paper, some people do this, they journal their prayers. I don't, I pray them, leave them with God and move on. But here, that's just how I do it, okay? But if you were to write your prayer for America on paper, what would it say? Would you pray for righteousness in our land? Or would you pray for unrighteousness in our land? Would you pray for law and order and peace? Or would you pray for lawlessness? Would you pray for biblical families to be the norm? Or something else that scripture would not support and approve of? Would you pray for biblical morality in our land or lewdness and promiscuity? How would you pray? Would you pray for schools to teach biblical morality and personal responsibility or relative morality and entitlement? What would you pray for? Would you pray for our children to be protected from sexual predators or would you pray for them to be put at risk at the sick perversions of others? Most of you are saying, well, that's silly. No, it's not silly. I'm asking you very serious questions today. If you wrote down your prayer for America, what would you pray for? We, all of us, are praying for something. I know we've probably got a handful of people saying, no, I haven't been praying for anything. Yes, you, yes, you have. All of us are praying for something because we have what we call paper prayers. I got mine in the mail this week. It's called a ballot. You know what this is? This is your paper prayer for what you want our nation to look like in the future. This is a prayer. People say, well, I'm praying for this. Well, are you, is your vote lining up with your prayer? Because this is really, this is your real prayer right here. The critical question is, does my paper prayer agree with God's word and with his kingdom principles? This number is shrinking every year, but let me give this to you. In my lifetime and even today, over half of Americans claim to be Christians. But you look at the decisions our government is making today, and it's obvious that a lot of people who are Christians are not voting for Christian principles. Now let me give you three illustrations real fast, okay? Some of you know about this, some of you don't even know because your media outlet didn't cover it. Just a few weeks ago, California Senate passed a bill called SB 145. 
And what this bill says is, and you may think this is wonderful, I'm just bringing it up. What this bill says is, and if you've got children in here, you might want to put their ha your hands over their ears. Okay, and I'm not being funny, I'm being very, very serious. Uh, you may want to put your hands over your children's ears for just a moment. What SB 145 says, and it's been passed into law into California, if an adult has oral or anal sex with a minor, as long as they're not 10 years, more than 10 years older than that minor, then the judge does not have to put that older person on the list of sexual predators. The judge can, can choose to say, well, it was consensual and it's okay. In other words, your 13-year-old child can be molested by a 22-year-old adult, and the judge can have a right to say, oh, it's okay. Well, well how, how does that happen? How does that happen? How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. It happens because we prayed for it. Oh, I didn't pray for it. Yes, you did. Well, I didn't. No, but we did. We prayed for it when we elected people into offices who would appoint judges, and we put senators in place, and we put governors in place who would say, this kind of stuff is okay. Our governor signed the bill. He thinks it's fine. This is what we've done because we have prayed for this in our land. And I don't want clapping and screaming the rest of my message, okay? Because I'm not talking about sides. I'm talking about reality, facts, and truth. How does this happen in a civilized society? We prayed for it. Let me go one step further. The vote that day from the, the state legislators was 41 yes, 25 no. And 13 didn't even want to vote on that subject because they didn't want to be controversial. But here's the crazier thing. One party had 41 votes, 40 of 41 said, we like this. Well, I didn't vote for that. No, but we did. As a state, this is what we voted for. This is what we prayed for. And now it's going to be law in our state. Let me, let me move on. Several years ago, here in the state of California, we as, an, we as a state voted that husband and wife, biblical picture of marriage, is the one kind of marriage relationship that we will recognize as a state. One man, one woman in marriage. That's what biblical marriage is. That's what we voted for. Our state courts overturned it. Said it's discriminatory. How could we get judges who would reject what has always been the foundation for society? I'll tell you how we got it. We got it because we prayed for it. We put the people in place who chose those judges. We elected some of those judges. Let me go one step further before I finish making everybody angry at me. The, the latest numbers that I could find on the internet, how many of you know the internet's always right, you can't, if you want the truth. The latest numbers I could find were from 2017. The good news is the number of abortions in our land are going down. But here's what's interesting. In, in 2017, there were 860,000 babies aborted, which means it averages out in a seven-day week, it averages out to 20, almost 2,500 abortions a day in our country. And I know this was settled in law way, way, way back when I was young. I know that. But we say, well, how in the world does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. We voted for it. We prayed for it. 
And we look back and we say, well, I wish, I wish that person never got in office. Well, we never should have voted for him. Let me give you one more thought, sobering thought. A man with my biblical views could never be elected to a major office in America today. Let me give you one more, much more sobering thought. Jesus couldn't win office in America today because of truth. Now, look, I'm getting down to the end of my message, which is these notes here. But let me, let, let me just ask you to open your hearts. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I've come to earth with an agenda. And he also said, Satan has an agenda. Here's what he said. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come with my agenda, which is to give life and life abundantly. Remember what God said back in Deuteronomy? I set before you death and life. You need to choose life. Choose what Jesus paid for on the cross. Choose God's agenda. And here's the thing. Every political party has an agenda. It's called a political platform. It's called a platform. And today, I'm going to mention the fact that this week, I read two party platforms. One was Republican, one was Democrat. I cannot tell you how exhausting it was. I'm talking 150 pages to go through. But I went through them because I felt, you know, if I'm going to talk about this, I need to know what I'm talking about. It's two very different agendas for our future. Two very different agendas. And, and the problem is, I've got a third agenda. It's this one right here. It's this book that tells us what kind of nation God's going to bless. So when I look at these platforms... I'm looking at it through God's word because this is my agenda. And I'm going to vote according to God's word. Most of you, you know, two weeks from Tuesday, we're going to be voting. Some of you have already voted by mail. It may get there, it may not. Is, it, is anybody concerned that Two-thirds of our politicians aren't concerned about voter fraud or whether or not the votes get there or who's voting. It's interesting to me. Just, just a thought. But, but let me ask you a question. Do you know whoever you voted for or you are voting for, have you read the party platform? Have you read the agenda? You know what's happened in America in my lifetime? We vote for personalities or we vote against personalities. One or the other. We vote for and against personalities, and we never stop to read the agenda for our future. And then Christians sit back, oh my God, how did our nation get here? We prayed for it with our paper prayers. We prayed for it. I never would have thought in my lifetime that a Supreme Court justice or potential justice could be grilled because she has faith in God. I never would have thought that had ever been an issue in our society. 
But it is. You know why? It's because we prayed for it. We put the people in power who are doing it. Well, I didn't. No, but we did. Today, we tend to vote for or against personalities, and we never take the time to even read and know the candidate's agenda. For those of you who are really squirming, I'm almost finished. Have we in the church sold our souls to the point that whichever candidate or party will promise us the most money, we'll vote for them regardless of their agenda? Is that where we are in America? Do we not know that God holds us accountable for our choices? We went, back to, we went back to the Garden of Eden. We went back to Deuteronomy 30. We went back to what Jesus said about loosing and binding. There are consequences to our decisions. And when it comes to this, some people flippantly say, that guy's ugly, that guy's handsome, I don't like Orange Man, I don't like Sleepy Joe. We've broken it down to the place where it is so silly and ridiculous. We don't even know what we're praying for and voting for. See, I offended both parties there, okay? And I know I also, uh, uh, I probably offended some people. Well, you only talk about two parties. That's because one of two candidates from one of two parties will be our next president. Okay, I'm not putting down the other parties. I'm just telling you, that's the reality. God holds us accountable for our choices. And, and if I can throw this in, just in case, by chance, president, a congressman, a senator, it's doubtful, but just in case they might be popping in this week, checking out what I said today, can I just tell you, for those of you who are in higher positions of authority and power, you have much more to answer for than those of us who voted for you. You will answer to God for the truth you've told, for the lies you've told, for what you're doing behind the scenes to promote ungodliness in our land. You will answer for it. You don't answer to me. You're going to answer to God for it. I've got the Elijah part off me, okay? I can move on from here. So... In conclusion today, I want to repeat the question. What is your prayer for the future of America? When you vote for a candidate or a party, do you know their agenda? Do you take God into the voting booth? Do you leave him outside? Are you praying for righteousness and voting for unrighteousness? Well, I don't know. You can know. You can read the platforms. You can read the agendas. You can look at God's word. And we can sort out who has godly things in mind, who has ungodly things in mind. And to those of you who want me to get up today and say we need to support this candidate, I'm not doing that because we should be smarter than that. And I believe we as a church are. I believe we're going to look at agendas. And why am I sharing this today? Because I love America and I want to see God's blessings on our land in the future. And the other reason, because we're accountable to God for what we do with the authority and the choice he's given to us. I want to pray for our nation and I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me. I know this is a different kind of message. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. If you can't stand, that's fine. 
But I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm going to pray a prayer that's so simple, I think everybody here can get on board with it. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And I hope at the end of this prayer you can say amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we humble ourselves before you. God, we need you. We need you in our individual lives, but we need you in our nation. God, things are crazy today. And God, you've given us an amazing right and privilege and ability to choose what we want for our future. And God, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts about truth. That you would give us the boldness to know what we're voting for because our votes are also our prayers for the future. God, first of all, today I pray for righteousness to rule in our land. God, we want godly justice. We want godly justice. We want godly justice. We want righteousness to rule in this land. We want to be a nation of laws. God, give us godly laws. Help us to adjust laws as they need to be adjusted. But give us godly laws that we can dwell in righteousness because righteousness brings safety and peace to a nation. God, I pray for law and order in our streets. God, I pray that you would do a work in people's hearts, that we would stand up to ungodliness and unrighteousness and ungodly violence, and we would say, no more, we stand against you, and we will not allow this and promote it anymore. If we have disagreements, we'll talk about it and we'll vote about it, but we will not promote violence in our land. God, I pray for godly police officers today. I pray that you would deal with the hearts of those rare exceptions who do stupidly, ridiculous, ungodly, evil things. Convict their hearts, and if they need to get out of the police department, get them out. But Father, we pray for a police department that will protect us from the evil that goes on in our communities today. Father, I pray for our families. God, I pray that there would be a move of your spirit across this land that we would understand what you say is righteous and godly and what a godly family looks like. That you would raise up godly husbands and raise up godly wives and you would raise up godly children who know your word that we can look to the future and say, we will represent God in this nation. God, I pray for our families today. Don't let us be divided over silly stuff and selfish stuff. Heal our marriages, heal our families, heal our land. God, I pray for biblical morality to rule our land. Father, we've got people taken off in crazy directions trying to redefine morality or say the Bible doesn't give us morality. I pray that by your spirit you would move on your people's hearts, that we would rise up and say no more. We will not vote for immorality, but we will pray and vote for morality in our land. We will choose godly leaders in this land, and we will establish godliness and morality as the norm. God, I pray for our schools. God, I pray that there would be a move of your spirit, even in our teachers' unions, even in school district boards, where people make decisions and choose curriculum. I pray that you would root out the evil, root out the immorality, push it out of our schools. And Father, I pray that our schools would, returning to, would return to preaching and teaching scriptural, biblical morality according to your word. And we would teach our children to take their own personal responsibility and not live just wanting to live off of other people's gifts to them. Father, teach this to us that we can teach it to the next generation. 
Father, I pray for laws in our land. I pray, pray for law enforcement in our lands as well to protect our children, to protect our children from sexual predators. And that those who carry that evil and carry out that evil, that we would stand up and say, no more. We're going to put you in a place where you can never do this again to our children. God, help us to stand for morality and for your word. And Father, I pray today for our nation, the United States of America. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in America, in earth as it is in heaven. God, we take the authority you've given us. We take our prayers and we be, let it become a paper prayer and we vote for morality and godliness in the future of our country. And come November 3rd, my prayer will be on paper and I will proudly stand for your righteousness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Just before you're seated, maybe at home, maybe here in the room, I, I got to take two minutes, and I know I'm a little bit long today, but please, please understand the weight of what's in my heart. My heart's for people. My calling is to shepherd people, lead people, feed people. But the heart of a shepherd will leave the 90 and 9 to go find the one that's lost. Maybe you walk through these doors today. Maybe your heart's hurting. You may have come from a good place. You may have come from a pig pen. I don't know where you came from today. But maybe you've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe today in this room, in the middle of me talking about something else, maybe the Spirit of God has grabbed your heart and you're realizing, I need to know the God of the Bible. I want Him to work in my life. I don't want death and cursing. I want life and blessing. Do you know God put His own Son on a cross to pay for our sins? That we might look at a Savior and say, I need you. And have all of our sins washed away. And in a moment's time, we move from darkness to light. And we move in to become a part of the family of God. It can happen that fast. Maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart right now. Maybe you're realizing, I need God. I want to lead you in a prayer that will ask God, invite him into your life. It's not magic words. Don't get superstitious. It's about you being honest with God and saying, God, I need your son. You may have a thousand questions. God will answer those questions one at a time, but it all begins with you accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask everybody in this room real quickly to pray this one prayer with me before we change the order of service. Pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Come fill my life. I need a Savior. And I accept Jesus. It's the price for my sins. I need a God to direct me, so I give my life to you. Come rule my life. Teach me your ways so I can follow you. From this moment on, you are my father. I am your child. I will learn to know you, and I will see your blessing in my life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're watching online, you prayed that prayer, or here in the house, we welcome you to the family of God. Can we put our hands together and welcome believers into God's family?
Amen. Before you're seated, can we just put our hands together and thank you, Pastor Gary, for that message. As you can be seated, as youth pastor of this church and someone who shepherds teenagers in a flood of so many voices, I am thankful that our young people have the voice of Pastor Gary Martin in their lives. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just made that decision, that is the best decision you could ever make with your life. And it's not the end of the journey, it's the beginning. And we want to walk the next few steps out with you. So we've put together something called the next seven days. And whether you're watching online or you're here in person, you can get this in a really simple way. If you're here in person, you prayed that prayer. Uh, We'd love to connect with you. You can grab the next seven days. It's our free gift to you in one of two ways. One, you can meet our prayer partners at either end of the auditorium right after service. They'll have it. Just ask for the booklet. If you want prayer, they're there to pray for you. If you're in a big rush, you can uh, go to the next seven days desk right before you get to the exits in the foyer. You can stop there and say, I prayed that prayer. Can I get the book? They'll give you the book. Once again, we just want to walk the next few steps of this faith journey out with you. One more time, church. Can we welcome people? into God's family. Here's what I love about the bridge. I've been here almost five years now, and every single week, people are giving their life to Jesus. Young people, not so young people, people in every single walk of life, they're giving their life to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there is no better place, there's nowhere else I would rather invest than in that. And that's what happens every single week. And and it wouldn't be possible. And I I know, I know we say this often, but it's true. It would not be possible if not for generous people like you who say, you know what, I will help in supporting the ministry. People are getting saved every week. We're meeting tangible needs here in our community and all over the world. So can I just say thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faith. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. There's several ways that you can give. You'll see them on the screen, whether you're uh, online or here in person. If you're here in person, you brought your gift with you. You'd like to give it. Uh, we're not going to pass around the containers. You could give at one of our three giving stations, either right at the doors before you get to the foyer, left and right of the doors, or at the kids' chat check-in just to the right-hand side, right over there near kids check-in. You can drop your gift there as well. Thank you again for your generosity, your faithfulness in giving. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church today? I don't know about you, but I love sitting in a church where we are encouraged and motivated. Hey, if you want to help in the relaunch of Bridge Kids, you feel like you might be called and helping with kids, uh, Bridge Kids. Has anybody else love having our Bridge Kids in service with us? I love it. I love seeing them on their tablets and doing the Bridge Kids program. The family room's been great. But we want to relaunch Bridge Kids, and, and there's an opportunity there for you if you'd love to help. Uh, Pastor Jeremy will be in the foyer right at the end of this service. Go meet him. Say what's up. See how you can get involved. If you're watching online, you go to the website and you can see how you can get involved there. You can uh, email Pastor Jeremy. So, hey, we love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you very soon.